Wolves fans, a new era is here, and perhaps the area has never seen more Wolves hysteria. With that, new voices have been called to break it down. The poet coach and the cool crooner sound bring you X's and O's and insight with soul. Wolves talk for now and later with flavor that lasts. Welcome, party people, to the coach and the crooner, Timberwolves Podcast. What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Coach and the Crooner. My name is Julius Collins. That would make me the crooner. I'm a longtime basketball enthusiast and professional musician and actor here around in the Twin Cities. I am joined by the one and only Coach Sintuali. What's going on, Coach? Man, I am uh, enjoying life. It's, man, this is good. the best time, man. It's like, uh, it's post-New Year's. All-star break, trade deadline, high school basketball is coming around the corner for the second round of conference games. Um, you know, for a basketball junkie, this is the time where people who know me just pretty much accept that they are second <laughs> to basketball in all forms. Uh, you know, I, I, I tell you, I had a week last week. We had three basketball games in the Richfield program. Um and I started my last weekend by watching a lot of film of uh, Richfield and doing some scouting. And then I went to a De La Salle game to scout them. And so I feel like I'm probably watching around almost 20 basketball games a week right about now between high school and the Wolves. It's a lot of games. Yes. It's a lot of minutes. Yes. Court-sided, most lot of, lot of them of, for the yeah, high school. I can dig it. I'm going to catch a couple games, man, before we get out of the season. But yes. life has been a little bit silly for me. Um, but not so silly for our Wolves, who are coming in off of, uh, I don't know if I classify this as a big win, but it was an interesting win. It was a telling win, as far as I'm concerned, off the Houston Rockets. Mm-hmm. And before we get to that, you know, they're 5-3 and three since our last pod. Mm-hmm. So I want to get your opinion on, what has been working better and what is still problematic. I have a, a couple ideas about that as well. But um, before we do that, let's talk about last night's game because Ant was sensational, scintillating. Yes. He had one of those games where, you know, everybody points to him and goes, this is, this is why he's the present and the future. Um, and I think more importantly, uh, he had one of those games where it further stamps his place in kind of the hierarchy, the pecking order of leadership on that particular roster. Um, you know, Finch or Ant mentioned uh, post game um, and it's been written about how Finch went to him before the Rockets game and said, we need you to set the tone. And, you know, the coaches only go to the guys that they know our success is dependent upon how this person approaches the game. And, you know, we had a very similar situation with our top seven rotation on our varsity program just the other day. We had a pregame meeting on Friday and sat them down in a room and said, look, this is what we need from a tone setting standpoint. You, especially the starters, you all set the tone. And then we went to our leading scorer and said it starts with you not just scoring, but how you respond and react when a shot doesn't go down. What are you doing on defense? And, you know, uh, it was mentioned uh, yesterday uh, in postgame that it's not just what Ant does right now offensively, but how he's affecting the game on both ends. Okay, so that's that's the next thing I wanted to talk about because Finch, for the most part, <clears throat> excuse me, had moved and off the ball and just and still uses Jaden predominantly as point of attack defender. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he said that he had to talk, Finch said that he had to talk with Ant mm-hmm. about resuming more of that detail. Mm-hmm. That's tone setting... Uh, Stuff And what what it seems to do, at least for me, is it frees up Jaden to be more of a free safety and his calculations in that department for the most part are safer, maybe because of his length, maybe just because of his instincts. I don't know. But Ant being at the point of attack, it has been it has been well documented that when he's off the ball, his attention can drift. Mm-hmm. But when he's on the ball, mm-hmm. he can be world-class at point of attack. Mm-hmm. Point of attack. And I, I asked you earlier in the season when he wasn't scoring, he was like, is his point of attack defense 
affecting his his fourth quarter his, scoring. his fourth quarter scoring right. or his scoring in general. And and you said no, we just needs to get in better shape. So he seems <laughs> yeah. to be getting in better shape. And I want to talk about how, like, as I cast my gaze to the future of this team, how important his physical fitness is going to be to them being successful going into May, April and May. But before we do that, his point of the attack of defense has been really good. Mm-hmm. And the coach had a conversation with him about that. What was that like and why? Well, I think for starters, when you're a coach and you're trying to figure out how can we be successful, especially closing games, and how can we get more physicality on ball? Because this has been something Finch has talked about throughout the season is we have to be more physical at the point of attack. And I don't think there's a more physical guard on the Timberwolves roster than Anthony Edwards. But also what you've spoken of is his off-the-ball kind of tendency to drift. Well, Jaden McDaniels has proven to be one of the best off-ball defenders in the league, as well as what he does on ball. His ability to slide through screens is something that Ant doesn't have. Um, his ability to even go under and use his length to recover if he has to um, is just something that comes with his physical gifts. So I think you have the best of both worlds when you can put Ant on ball at the point of attack and let him use his physicality to just disrupt what teams want to do in high ball screen action at the point of attack. And you can still slide Jade McDaniels over to another team's you know, best offensive weapon who they're trying to run screening actions and things to get open or get the ball in positions to be successful. You have the best of both worlds. And I think that, you know, that conversation is simply this in order for us to be the best defensive team we can be, especially down the stretch of games, we need you to be that on ball monster so that Jaden can do what he does extremely well, which is take people away off the ball. And then you have two fifths of a opponent's, you know, lineup on the floor kind of in check and you're disrupting what they want to do at both levels. So on ball, the guys really having to be attentive and fight just to execute simple stuff and off ball that guys having to really fight and not be able to get the ball in the positions they want it. And sometimes in basketball, having somebody catch the basketball two steps beyond where they want to catch it is the difference between them scoring and you getting a miss. There, you know, you know the phrase coming into your man body or something mm-hmm. along those lines. Mm-hmm. And I don't make, mean to make this an ant centric podcast, but for me, they're all sort of a. Say, why, not? <laughs> why not right <laughs> now me, coming team, off of 44 but this, good time for yeah, it <laughs> but this, team, this team's trajectory is directly related to this guy's growth so i think about it uh growth this team's growth synonymous with this guy's growth and maybe it's just me but i get the feeling you know how old dudes know how to use everything they got mm-hmm. like if i'm a little bigger i'm gonna use this girth mm-hmm. you know whatever it is mm-hmm. um i get the feeling like and it's just a couple of post-ups here and there. But point of attack defense is another indicator that this dude is really understanding how his his frame is problematic for for defenders or offensive players. You know, I mean that it that to me is something that will bode well for him going. He hasn't even reached his prime yet. The fact that this is something that he's it seems simple, but a, a dude who knows how to use his body around the basket. That's easy baskets. That's easier rebounds because you learn to box out better. To me, that is like becomes more essential to the functionality of a team. Yes, and I also think um, perhaps he's always understood his physical dominance. I think it's more about learning how you're going to be defended. It's more about learning how you can um, push ball handlers one way or the other more about how you're going to be screened so I think he's always kind of felt like I'm the physical so you're saying this is this is this is the end result of two and a half years of arguing with referees right and being in the NBA and so it's a negotiation over time you're saying more than it is just just a learning curve yeah I think he's always known it I think it's you know how how can I utilize these tools without making mistakes? How can I utilize these tools without negatively impacting the team? And 
what tools do I have that are the best tools for me to use at the moment? I think, you know, a while back, uh, Finch had said something to the extent of when they were talking about Ant in the mid range or Ant in the post up and Finch has kind of talked about, well, that's the evolution of his game. But right now we want him to maximize where he's most efficient. And as he becomes more efficient in those other areas, then we can utilize those skill sets more. And I just think he's learning to become more efficient in those other areas. And so now we're seeing him become a three level scorer that we always suspected that he could become, which yep. is not uncommon for a guy who's now most of the way through his third year in the league. Well, Again. that was really on display last night. Yeah. That yeah. was, that was a very specific display of three level scoring. I think last night was foreshadowing. <laughs> I think last night was what you're going to see more of in the coming years as he matures in the league and as his game matures. Um, and, you know, we talked off air, you know, about right now his usage rate is 28.8%. That's a really high usage rate. Now, Cat being out plays some role in that um, because you just don't have a lot of options right now if you're the Wolves as to, you know, who's going to dominate the ball um, throughout the majority of a game. He's also playing, you know, a lot of minutes. He's playing 36 and a half minutes. He leads the league in minutes. I, and I asked you about that uh, a couple of pods ago. Would that negatively impact him and, 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 and also therefore the team, uh, especially as we get close to the playoffs, into the playoffs, hypothetically, if they get past the first round in the playoffs, um, is his, is his durability going to come back and haunt this squad? I think not when you consider he's that every he's game. 21 years old. You keep um, saying that, but he's got a hip situation. Yeah, it didn't look bad last night. No, it's amazing how he can do that. <laughs> it didn't look bad last and so, night. You know, I, and, and I also think that situation is more of a bruise. It's not like he's got, I don't think he has structural damage. No, no, no. I fall. don't think they let him and go. So those things structural. heal over time. But um, what we saw, though, is him in, I think, two games over this last stretch where he started the game and wasn't able to finish the game or he start, left the game and in one of the games in, in bizarre fashion came back even mm-hmm. though it was a blowout. And I, and I think some of that is just pain tolerance because anybody who's ever fell off their, out the sky onto their butt and had a bruised tailbone, um, you understand that it hurts all the time. Um, and, I, and some of that I think was Finch really wanting to get him rest and maybe him wanting to get himself rest. And I honestly think the game that he left in was – you know, uh, um, you know, it was reported that he was out for the rest of the game. And then he came back in the game um, because the team was shat in the bed. Have you ever seen that before? Like, <laughs> I mean, I've seen Paul Pierce go out in a wheelchair. And no, 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 no. But he wasn't declared out. He wasn't, you know. I mean, he wasn't officially declared out of the game. That was, that was crazy. Maybe most bizarre of all of those situations. But Ant was declared out. I think that declaration was wishful thinking. I think they were wishing that he would not have to play the rest of that game more than he was not capable of playing the well, rest of that up, game. Well, he ended up, you know, pounding the rock as the time expired, holding his hip. So I yeah. question that decision to bring him back. Although his pain tolerance is is football player esque. Yeah. Now he, he's. I mean, and again, he's he's twenty one, and and I think I honestly think that was more frustration than anything else. Um, and I think since that game, there's been a, a understanding. He kind of said it after that game. Well, I guess I just got to play every game. <laughs> and it's kind of like, well, yeah, yeah. But that, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. If you want to be mentioned in the ilk of Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, well, guess what? Kobe Bean torn Achilles and went and made two free throws before he walked off the court. So, you know, so if you want to be mentioned in that ilk, the reason those guys are mentioned where they are is because they did superhuman things. If you want to be mentioned in that ilk, then you have to accept that being mentioned in that ilk comes with doing superhuman things. And I think what we're seeing and come to understand at 21 right now, last night's game being an example of which is, okay, well, if superhuman things is what I need to do, then I'm learning that. I'm capable and I'm more than willing. And hey, if this is what it is, then this is what it is. And I think that is a great omen if you're a Minnesota Timberwolves fan, because yeah, he's still learning. Yes, he still makes mistakes. Um, yes, he's still 21, but we are seeing superhuman things from him. And I watched the video clips 
of the the first and second dunk when he dunked on Shingun last night. I was going to say he had some superhuman dunks last night. And what was impressive to me, it's a subtle thing, what was impressive to me in the first one especially was the timing of recognizing that as he started to take off, Sengun was actually taking a backward step. I firmly believe in my basketball mind that Sengun was expecting Ant to Euro step to his left hand like he has done time and time and time and time again. So he was backing up, preparing for a Euro step. And as he's backing up, Ant just went lift off. And that's a very subtle basketball thing. Ooh, he got dunked on. Okay. But it was a very okay. subtle now listen, IQ man, thing. You're talking the language of a wrestler, former amateur wrestler over here. So mm-hmm. as a wrestler, you, you are like steeped in counters mm-hmm. everything is mm-hmm. is uh if that dude does this then you have this option and this option and this option mm-hmm. is and starting to i mean because i don't know if it's just been like coincidental but i don't see i mean obviously john moran is the high bar for this sort of like this kind of explosive highlight dunk situation but i don't feel like we get as much of, of that from ant as as we would like as fans but that Euro step is filthy, and maybe because his Euro step is so filthy that he hasn't felt the need to have to finish above the rim. But what if, what if that dude has been using that Euro step, which is he's practically synonymous with now? Mm-hmm. What if he's been using that Euro step to set up that explosive attack of the basket? Well, I think they might just be a natural progression. It might just be I'm watching film and I'm seeing guys are starting to anticipate it now, so I'm just going to have to take off on some people. You know, and and he said, well, however you, know, you slice it, that's a counter, right? Whether you know, right. whether he right. was like forced. So I don't know if it was doing it on purpose to set up. Okay, now I'm going to start taking off on people, but I think that it's just again part of the learning curve and part of the progression. And you know, in 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 the post, he talked about you know he told um, Kenny Martin Jr. I'm I'm gonna have to dunk on him again because he's so low. Well, if you watch the second dunk. If you watch where Sengun recovered to after the the action was being run, the screening action in his drop coverage, he was awfully low. Yeah. You know, and so the first one, he caught him backing up. And then the second one, he caught him low. But both of them, I think, were premeditated on Ant's part to say, okay, if this is how you're going to defend me, this is the price you're going to pay. And that puts the league on notice. Yeah. Well, my man looked traumatized, is all I got to say. That dude probably needs to make a phone call to his mom after this game. Those were nasty. That was serious, cause he had, I mean, he was having a really good game. And 18, like what, 18 and 19 or 19 and 18, he was having a very good game. And then all of a sudden, Ant took that lunch money and said, okay, be on your way. But you were talking about progress. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about this team's progress, because mm-hmm. in the last 10 games, they're 7-3. Mm-hmm. and three. Mm-hmm. They're 8-3 and three since the uh, infamous... Locker room conversation, right? Um, and 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 in those games, I've, they've they've uh, they've uh, had a couple comebacks, and 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 then they've had a couple of games where they were in control of the game until the end, and just for whatever reason didn't have enough to get to the finish line. But seven and three in the last ten, and this is you know largely or oftentimes without Rudy, and all of the time without Cat. What are your are, are they figuring something out now? Or is I, that just I, I think, coincidence because of the schedule was lighter? I think we're figuring out that they are going to be consistently inconsistent until they're not. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, but there and, are things in my mind as I'm watching the game. There are things that I'm seeing happen that would indicate that they're being addressed. Like, you know, they're not. You know, there, there are no solutions rocking right now, but. I, I sense a greater like focus on rebounding and getting back. I mean, it could be coincidental, and it is not perfect. But um, you go seven and three in these games. Something has you have to be able to lean on something. I feel like they're leaning on something. Well, they're shooting the ball at a high clip over that time. Um, they're shooting the ball at a really high clip. Um, most of those games, their turnovers have come down a little bit Ooh, from what boy, they, they were. They can throw the ball away in dumb ways. Yeah, yeah, but they've had a lot of below 15 turnover games in um, many of these games lately. Um, the rebounding for many games has leveled off a little bit, but it's, you know, last night was atrocious. You know, they got they got out-rebounded by 26 rebounds last night. 
Um, they gave up Vince, 15 Vince offensive small. rebounds. I mean, he, you know, I mean, he doesn't he have a choice. Yeah. His big guys are out. Yeah. Um, so he doesn't have a choice but to go small. It's not like Sangoon is a mammoth human being. Though. He's a big dude, though. I mean, he's, well, compared he's to Nas Reed and Nathan a, Knight, yeah. He's a solid dude. What's my man for the well, the Clippers? He reminds me of him in, in terms of his... Uh, Mozgov? No. no yeah. uh, um, uh, not Mozgov. Starts no. with a Z. Yeah, Zubach. Thank Zubac. you. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, well, but... He's niftier. But they still, you know, have to make that a focus. Now, last night, what offset all the rebounds was the fact that, you know, Houston was w- very willing and, and gracious in giving them the basketball. And the squad's got problems, man. Yeah, and they were very willing and gracious in following them. Um, so, you know, the Wolves had 26. Um, I'm sorry, the Wolves had uh, – how many free throws did they did they shoot last night? I'm sorry. Let me uh, see if I can go back to their free throw attempts. The Wolves – uh, shot 24 free throws. You know, the Wolves got to stop following. Houston shot 33 free throws, only made 19 of them. So you're talking about a young team. You go 19 for 30. You go 58% from the free throw line and commit 21 turnovers. And that's how you lose a game in which you out rebound a team by 26. You know, and that's Houston's youth. But for the most part, the Wolves have done a better job of, of, uh, rebounding the basketball and keeping their turnovers down. Um, now I guess I didn't want to make this so much about rebounding because that's that is that is a slippery slope and an irrefutable kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But let's just take the Toronto game mm-hmm. and you think about this team historically and what more than likely would have happened. Uh, what are we like four minutes left in the game? Just outside of four minutes left in the game, they're they're down by double figures or just about. Yeah, it was around that. I think it was closer to about the. Six and a half, and seven. And my man mark, gets a three pointer yeah. that, that takes it to twelve or something like that. And yeah. Like, okay. And they won that game. Now, mm-hmm. say what you will. To me, that indicates a modicum of growth somewhere. If only, only like mentally. Well, I yes, but we've also discussed how this team really vibes off the energy of shot making. Right. And so. So we're back to the, the old thing. If they're making shots and they can win any game, if they're not making shots, they can lose any, any game. Yeah. I mean, and well, so, so Digo got hot. Um, much to Finch's credit, you know, he, he puts Ant at the point of attack. Ant and Jaden were phenomenal defensively down the stretch of that game. Yes, they were. And Gordon Siakam, by the way. And that is, uh, statement that's a league-wide statement while we're making statements i mean at six four and a half let's call it what it is ant's ability with his length and his strength to guard bigger guys you can call him six five if you want to <laughs> we'll say six five with shoes on come on <laughs> but his ability to um use his length and his physical strength and his base his leverage to guard bigger guys uh, and get into their bodies so that even if they're shooting over him, they're uncomfortable. You know, I always tell my players that a hand in my face means nothing to me. But if you're in my body space when I shoot, you don't even have to be covering my vision. That's an uncomfortable shot. And Ant has an ability to stay in people's body space because they can't bump him off because he's so damn strong. And his base, his leverage um, and his defensive stance is so good. Um, and so, yeah, he, they, him and Jaden locking down on Fred Van Fleet and Siakam. And here's the other beauty about those two. So you say that should be backwards, right? You think Jaden should be locking down Siakam and Ant should be locking down Van Fleet. But the luxury it's, of those two is, yeah, the luxury of those two is you got a 6'11 Jaden who's got the footwork. To stay with a you know six foot one, six foot two. If I mean, how many step back jumpers have we seen him block at the three point right, line? Because he's so long in his ability to stay in front of smaller guys. So as a six two guard, the last thing I want to see is a six seven, six eight, six nine, six ten, six eleven guy that can stay in front of me. And then conversely, and then conversely, Siakam, because that was for me the most surprising part. Yeah, I was able to guard that dude because he's an operator. Physicality, like it, so. It's like football, old man wins, right? 
It's what we talk about with Cat all the time or Rudy. Why are small guys able to guard those guys? KG had similar issues. Right. Low man wins. So they're in your body space making you uncomfortable because you can't maneuver anywhere comfortably when somebody's in your body space and underneath you all the time. But then on top of that, it's long enough that he can disrupt your shot vision with his length, even though he's in your body space on the, in your, in your core and in your lower half. So it just, it, it's hard to make shots when somebody's both in your body space and long enough to get in your shot space. Okay. Uh, so it's a great luxury for at, Finch. At the risk of making this the ant pot, I, I do want to get to a couple few other things before we get out of here. And real quick though, you wanted to it. ask about the Toronto game and yes, the comeback was beautiful and Delo making shots was beautiful and they looked dead in the water. But when you talk about how it all averages out in the end, you talk about, What's repeatable? Toronto shot extremely well. 53 from the field, 50% from three. The Timberwolves, not bad. 51% from the field and 43% from three. But here's the game. Toronto 16 turnovers, the Wolves 15. That's almost a wash. Toronto 38 rebounds, eight offensive. The Wolves 37 rebounds, eight offensive. That's a wash. Toronto 19 personal fouls, the Wolves 20 personal fouls. That's a wash. Toronto six blocks, the Wolves five blocks. So you're saying the so game was an even game. When the game is even, the best player's team usually wins. And okay. that's where Ant is starting to become the best player on the floor for either team. I think I completely understand and agree with that logic. And that's got to be repeatable. I have to say, still, I don't know how in the hell they won that game. Because it seemed like there was nothing trending in a way that was going to help them win it. The last seven minutes of the game, the numbers even. So Toronto's ahead in all of those numbers, but the Wolves defense and D'Lo's shot making, along mm-hmm. with some free throws even and clutch shots up. by Ant, in the end, it becomes even. And that kind of happened last night. Like, if you look at the Houston game, Houston was shooting astronomically high due to piss-poor defense and even worse rebounding all night. And I'm looking at the numbers real time as I'm watching the game. And I watch Houston shooting percentage go from 60 to 50 to 48 to I'm not sure what it ultimately ended up being. And I'm watching the Timberwolves shooting percentage go from 26 to 34 to 44. And so just real quick check at the end of the game. Houston shoots 48%. The Wolves shoot 46%. Most of the night that was Houston 54 and right. the Wolves 35. Okay. Right. So, I mean, are they, I mean, I don't. I want to move on to something else, but are right. they learning that they got some leverage when it comes to defense down the stretch of games now? Because that would be something that you can travel with, if with they, which you can travel. I if if they can clean up the glass and they did better defensive rebounding down the stretch of that Houston game with Ant, Slow Mo, and Jaden you should have the dominant defenders at three out of five positions. When you have Rudy, you should have the dominant defenders at four out of five positions. And you know who that really helps? D'Angelo Russell. So let's go and talk about D'Angelo Russell because it is no secret to anybody who's who's been kind enough to listen to these pods that I I have been uh, less than enamored with the idea of D'Angelo Russell's uh, future being with this squad doesn't mean that I think he's without talent because I think he's talented. I think he's a cold-blooded scorer and shooter. I think <clears throat> I think he is a combo guard at the heart of it all. And I have just kind of had the the anxiety that goes with a guy not being self-aware enough to realize that you are in the backcourt with a dude who is without a doubt. It's irrefutable. Mm-hmm. He is the future of this organization. Mm-hmm. You can throw Jaden in there also. But really, if we're talking about, if we're going to single out one guy, that one guy is Anthony Edwards. And it's it's more clear than ever that it's him. And and with all due respect, not Cat. Now, Cat ideally is still instrumental in this team, winning a couple few playoff series and, and ideally a, a, a championship. I've I've struggled with D'Angelo Russell because I think he can take bad shots. I can think he can make really for such a great passer. He can be really careless with the ball. Uh, his defensive turnstile is famous, but after his, I'm also an alpha comments, which I was critical of, and we talked about before this. You have a different approach on that, which 
I'm going to let you get to. But I was like, man, listen, you might think that, but the, there's one alpha on this squad if we're just going to play that game because the truth is every NBA player mm-hmm. thinks he's an alpha and for good reason. He's and they top, probably are. Top 1%, 1.5% of basketball Those are tough human beings. In the world, you don't get to be in the NBA. Right. It's not gifted to you. If you're no not what tough. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> and for all this talk that NBA players aren't tough, Go and, and uh, have your life saved by a couple of these basketball players as you're trying to get out of some of these neighborhoods. Right. That's a whole other thing. But, right. but um, D'Angelo Russell, after those comments, and it's been four games since then, to me, seems to be playing with a lot more tranquility. And his shot making has been phenomenal. And it oftentimes has come because Ant and Slow Mo are doing the distributing, uh, whether it's down the stretch or just in crucial points of the games he's getting wide open shots and he's making them yeah um and he's capable of doing that and i i have he's not saddled with being the creator and uh even though he's a great pastor to me i don't think he's a great creator he's not a great provider i i i think that him and ann are both gamblers but they're just gamblers in different ways Digo tends to gamble with how what passes he chooses to make Ant tends to gamble with what shots he chooses to take um I think one is always more frustrating than the other for a fan and for a coach because even though they both might negatively impact the outcome of the game the same way as a coach we'd much rather have a missed shot than a turnover now a bad missed shot becomes a turnover but it's hard for I think people who don't play ball or understand the game to separate that understanding that that bad missed shot was just as good as a turnover because turnovers just seem so much more egregious in a lot of ways they are because you never even get a chance to get a shot when you turn the ball over. Um, We talked about it on the pod last podcast that I think it's incumbent upon Dio to figure out where he fits in to make this team better. And it's no longer, maybe it was two pods ago. It's no longer incumbent upon Finch to find Digo a fit. And I think that happened after the six-game losing streak, um, after the quote-unquote team meeting, um, after Digo had the mysterious illness, which who knows what that was all about. Maybe he was sick. Maybe his he's got a newborn child at home. Maybe his kid was sick. Who the, who the heck knows what that was all about? Maybe it was just, you know, go home, Alexander. That's an order from your commander. Take a day. <laughs> you know, who knows what that was about? But I had mentioned that I felt like he's been playing really well since then. Even the game where everybody talks about, well, he didn't finish the game and he was only one for six from the field. And I talked to you about, but his effort in that game was the type of effort that we need from him. Um, for this team to be successful. So I wasn't worried about all that other stuff because I saw how he was playing when he was on the court. So is this sustainable? I mean, is this, that's always the question with that dude. Is this sustainable? Because if this version of him is sustainable, then it becomes really interesting when cat and, and, and Rudy are back because Mm -hmm. the dynamic in a way has shifted a little bit Mm -hmm. with those guys out. I mean, it is Mm -hmm. without a doubt, Anthony Edwards is the driving force. Uh, on this team, yeah. and uh, it doesn't make anyone else any less important. In fact, I've seen Jay McDaniels, in my mind, take a step forward in terms of his leadership, in terms of his vocality, and that could be problematic, but mm-hmm. in terms of just uh, diversification of, of his game, mm-hmm. I feel like those things, there have been some good things that have come out of having Cat out. Mm-hmm. So I want to play a game, because you brought this up beforehand. So where would the Wolves be if Cat were healthy all season long? And then I want to I want to conversely talk about the value of Nas, Luca, and Nate Wright as coach has, you know, deployed them in my mind deftly these last several games and and particularly last night when when Nas was in foul trouble and and uh, Luca was in foul trouble and he went right to Nate Knight and Nate Knight seemed to have it and he never went back. Mm-hmm. So where would this team be if Cat were healthy? I mean, would they have Figured out the whole like Rudy Cat conundrum with would with the whole backcourt situation still be in flux? Where would this team be? I think they'd probably be anywhere between five and seven games over five hundred. I, I had mentioned this a and few And that would put them where in the West? I would put them third in the West. Okay. Right. Go on. And and I think I had mentioned uh a few podcasts ago that it looked to me like they were starting to figure it out right about the time Cat got injured. It looked because let's be honest, a lot of those earlier losses were 
due to sheer effort. Like it, it, it wasn't about fit. It wasn't, you know, and even Finch said, we, we can't address any fit issues until we play harder, you know? And so, um, and playing hard consistently still is an issue this team has. Um, so, um, it seemed like they were starting to figure it out then. And we also have mentioned that Finch is great at playing the long game. And one of the reasons why, even though Wolves Twitter tends to go ham on Finch, is that I felt like Finch is even killed. These things will present solutions for themselves, even if they don't work themselves out over the long haul, um, was important. <coughs> Sorry, man. Yeah, yeah, I've had that happen when you drink something and go down the wrong tube. <laughs> that's a good for you. Yeah, well, that's called real life. <laughs> we don't pretend to be anything but human. But I'm um, a super producer of, will make me sound great. No, 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 no. He's gonna leave that in there and be like, "We do this real." <laughs> but um, but uh, back to your question, um, um, you know, so I think this team would be five to seven games over 500 sitting there in the three, four spot in the West. And everything looks different. If those are the optics, right. As opposed to this team being up and down and they've been five games under 500 and then they make a run and they get back to 500 Then they lose a couple. Then they win a couple and everybody, even Finch is like, that's the nature of an inconsistent ball club. When you're 500, you win some, you lose some. Right. Um, And so I think that, if I have any concern, it's that they haven't still quite figured that out. However, because of the injuries, however, um, what they have figured out, I think, is that what both Kat and Rudy bring to the table, they need game in and game out in order to be successful, even in this iteration of Ant with a dang near 30% usage rating and Delo having the lowest usage rating of his career, but really knocking down shots and playing more off the ball. Because what you've gotten from Nate Knight, Nas Reed, and Luca Garza on any given night is a combination of what Cat and Rudy bring to the table, minus Rudy's, you know, um, shot blocking, uh, rim protection. Um, rebounding prowess, but there are nights where you look up and Nas Reed has 19 points and 11 rebounds or 12 rebounds and three blocks. You know, there have been nights where Luca Garza has, you know, in a low usage, you know, he might play 14 minutes, but he's got 13 points and, you know, five or six rebounds. And then, of course, last night we saw Nate Knight when on a night where Nas and Luca were struggling, they don't win the game without his 19 points in whatever it was, 19, 20 minutes or so. So and you I think need, all three of those dudes at different times have been really instrumental in winning games. In winning games, absolutely. Like, and like I've had random like calls yep, to yep, play. Yep. And uh, to their credit, and I really mean this, to their credit, they have been really good this year on short notice. And frankly, they were going in there battling against, you know, against Joker. They're battling. They go in there and they play to their strengths. That's uh that's an interesting uh, trio of dudes. They're fighting for their NBA careers every time they step on the floor is an opportunity for them. None of those guys have entrenched themselves yet as starters or, you know, a six man in any rotation anywhere in the league. So every time they step on the floor, they're trying to prove that they are NBA rotation players. So that helps when you have guys that you know are going to play hard as hell every time they step on the floor. They also are very skilled players. All three of those guys can step out and knock down a three. All three of those guys can put the ball on the floor and make plays. Okay, who's the better post-up player between... The three of them? No, no, no. I I think it's between two dudes. I think it's between Luka and Nas in terms of best post-up player. Right. Who's better? Um... I'd say it's a wash because they do it differently, but yeah. they're both very effective. Yeah. I would say Luka might be a little bit more efficient in the post, but he's I think more comfortable down. That's more of his game. Um, Nas is hard to guard in the post. And Nas, and, and Nas, so, so this is what I would say. I would say Nas is better that against. That was not my vote. I'm just saying. Right. Nas is better against smaller players in the post. Luca's better against anybody in the post. Luca's really, really good in the post. He is, he's, <laughs> he's slow mo esque in the way he gets it done, which I'm becoming a huge fan of. And uh, he's crafty. He's crafty. So and he's efficient. I really do appreciate the way those three uh, dudes have been playing in and Kat's they, absence. But it is interesting to think 
uh, about this team being seven games better and being in the third slot and how much the dialogue surrounding this team would be so much different. We looked it up because earlier. Because I'm emotional. Yeah. I will I will admit to being one of those people who is up and down about and frustrated with what seems to be things that are not going to be anything but negative trends. Look, Cats missed over half the season now. Jordan McLaughlin's missed about half the season. Torian Prince has missed a quarter of the season. Kyle Anderson's missed a quarter of the season. We're talking about in terms of games played. That's not even including the games they actually played in but left early, mm-hmm. you know. And Rudy Gobert's missed a quarter of the season. That's a lot. You know, that's, that's a, a lot, that's that, a lot that's of minutes. A, that's a oh. lot of minutes to very important rotational players, if not starters, if not your all-NBA player, to a team that is, you know, 500 and sitting there fighting, you know, tied effectively for the sixth, seventh seed in the West. If you want to make an all-star case for Ant, the case is my team is 500. We've missed a crazy amount of minutes to key rotational guys. I'm averaging 24 plus almost 25 points a game. I lead the NBA in minutes played. Um, I am, you know, let's be honest. There was a stretch of the season where, you know, Ant wasn't great and Digo was even worse for a stretch of the early portion of yeah. the season. Um, so, you know, you're looking at a kid who has pretty much kept this team afloat in spite of all of the change around him, who's 21 years old, who you can look at and say, man, if these guys ever get healthy, we can keep riding this kid. And if you're cat, you're like, well, I'm going to give you that 19 that Nate Knight gave you that 29. I'm going to give you that every night. Yeah. And if you're Rudy, you're saying I can give you that rim protection and that defense every night. So there's starting to be some things where you can say, yo, if, but then usage, becomes a thing Mm -hmm. and and so temperament and and attitude and Mm -hmm. uh become a thing Mm -hmm. so that's kind of what i was getting at earlier when i was like so ant's usage is very high and i i think it'll clearly go down a little bit when when cat comes back comes back and and that'll be the ant's benefit because you're talking about his workload you know that'll be to his benefit but nate knight knows even with his what did he have 19 and 10 19 Mm -hmm. and 9 something something like that Mm mm-hmm I mean, those are the numbers you want from Cat. Mm-hmm. And Nate Knight did not seem to be bugged by Ant's high usage. Now, I realize that Cat, Cat is a franchise player. Mm-hmm. He's the, he's still technically the most efficient offensive player. So Nate Knight got to be happy just to be on the floor. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> so, 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 so he's going to defer naturally. I get it. But I guess my curiosity is, is around Cat and, frankly, Rudy to a lesser degree, their willingness to admit in the end, that dude is the engine. He's the driving force. And and I know we, we had this music conversation earlier. And so we can get back into that really quickly if you want to, because my idea of Ant is not your music analogy. <laughs> but your music, music analogy is, is well heard and appreciated. Mm-hmm. But to me, uh, I'm not saying that this person uh, needs to be the single focus of a team down the stretch. But there's... There to me, um, and listen. If your team is pred- if your offense is predicated on just getting the best possible shot, all right. That, if that's your if that's your philosophy, I you know I I guess I can make peace with that. But Anthony Edwards is that dude. He's that dude. That mugs don't. He's the cheat code. They don't have an answer for him, especially if he really learns how to play efficiently and intelligently when it's winning time. Because last night seemed like an example of a dude who. I mean, the, what's the green? Uh, character name, character's name from from Houston that went number two was it last oh, year? Jalen Green. Jalen Green. Mm-hmm. So people were having this conversation about you know Jalen Green is better than Anthony Edwards, and when you see them head to head, you realize that is folly. Yeah, you saw my eye roll. It's it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous because Anthony Edwards is, I mean, Jalen Green is athletic. He's smooth. He can shoot it. He can he can he can drive it. He can do things. But man, he has now. This may get back to your cultural conversation. Like Our cultural conversation. Structure matters. Structure does matter because Ant intensity on the other side of the ball when he wasn't playing offense was it was night and day. So I mean, now I realize he's got to do more when when Rudy and and Cat are out. But when they come back, if Cat and Rudy can fit into those things that this team clearly is lacking with them out, but at times we see it demonstrated how it can be really 
uh, highly functional. Where where do we go from here? Because the second half half of the season is coming up, and and the West is crazy. I mean, you know, we're in the second half in terms of games played of the season. You know, we're we're now well into it. Um, I somebody on Twitter had posted that um, a, a Delo stand who I can't say anything negative about Delo, <laughs> but um, and, 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 and it's like I'm not even as critical of Delo as most. I just point out some of the obvious and at the same time root for Delo to fix those things because I know what he can be when he's on his game. And I don't just mean shot making, but everybody points to shot making as the end all and be all. And I, as a coach, I don't look at basketball like that. But anyway, going back to what he said, he said that you know cats gonna ask for a trade in the next three years because he's not going to want to play with a guy that has a 30% usage rating. And I didn't even bother to respond to that post because to me that's ridiculous. Because at the end of the day, if you're playing with a guy that has a 30% usage rating and you're a top three, four seed in the West, you're not going anywhere if you're cat. Especially unless, when unless you already got the $250 million bag. Unless you're if, an eagle maniac. Right. And, 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 and no I evidence just don't that see that's who he is. Right. And so I honestly think that I honestly think that as they watch this, if I'm Cat, and I think Rudy has already taken this stance, I'm trying to figure out how I can best help this young man help us, as opposed to because I know I've asked you this now right. two or three and, times, and, and I always have maintained it comes down to winning. I don't think they care as long as they are winning. And you're talking about guys and Rudy who got a super max. Cat's got a super max. Delo has had a max and, you know, sharing the backcourt responsibility is a little bit different. But when you're a big and you're relying upon other people to get you the ball as much as, you know, way Rudy really is cat, not as much, but still um, you just want to be winning. And I think, again, I don't, I think if it's fourth quarter of a game and Finch calls a set that requires cat to go stand in the corner and be ready because ants rolling, I don't think cat has a problem with that at all. All now, okay. Now having, that's loose voltage we're talking about. Ha- having having said all of that, I think what was interesting about the Utah game, I believe that was the game where um Jaden missed the last second shot that Ant kicked out, and mm-hmm. and Jaden missed. You're correct. That was the game to me that made me believe that I felt like the Wolves were really looking hard for a trade partner for D'Angelo Russell. Interesting. And Why is that? Because if I'm down one point, I'm putting the ball in D'Angelo Russell's hands. Well, Absolutely. that's interesting because we're just going to – One of us is the coach and for, the other one is for, a for two singer, reasons. but I think that's for two, insane. For two reasons. For two reasons. One – if I need a contested mid-range shot to win a game, I trust Deagle more than I trust Ant to make that shot. Okay. Two, I know Ant's going to be double teamed, and I don't know what type of shot we're going to get out of that double team. We got a great shot. It's going to be my counter-argument. We got a great shot. And you're more inclined than less inclined anymore from, with Ant to get a good shot. From, from a Yes, we got a great shot. I still say Jaden wasn't expecting that pass, nor was he ready mentally for other reasons throughout Which that I happened, thought throughout was that fascinating. game to shoot that ball. But I tell you what, early in the season, tie are down by two. They need a bucket to tie the game against Utah. Who did they go to? D'Angelo they Russell. To who made it. the shot? D'Angelo Russell. What was the shot? A hard left-hand drive, stop on a dime, mid-range jump shot. I think if I'm down by one, I trust D'Angelo Russell to get a shot that he is comfortable with more than I trust Anthony Edwards to get a shot that he is comfortable with. However, we have already stated Anthony Edwards is the future of this team. Anthony Edwards is the guy on this team. I understand exactly why Finch drew up the play for Anthony Edwards, but and this is just me talking. It's not. I have no inside knowledge. No, no, no. no. I get it because but I, I don't I'm agree with coach, you. But I, if, I'm listening. If I'm the coach, I draw up a play because I know Delo's not getting double teamed. No, I, and I know Delo's not going to draw the other team's top defensive player. But what D'Lo is going to do could be more predictable than what Ant is going to do. That's okay, because what we've seen from D'Lo in that predictability is he's probably going to stop on a dime somewhere in the 15 to 17 foot range, and he's probably going to make that shot. Okay, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole. I don't agree with you, but I don't – 
I mean, but I absolutely understand what you're talking about because D'Lo is a big shot making mug. His pedigree he's, says he's if I'm down shot. by one and I need a 15 to 17 foot winner versus I need a three. He's, a, he's now listen. D'Lo's gonna make that to shot. To me, if a defense is scared of sh- as shit of you, and you can impact their movement and what you can dictate that scenario, you go to your best player who is going to cause all of that uh, chaos for the defenders. And when Ant touches the ball. It's high alert for all five of those motherfuckers. And in this case, D'Lo, there's, I mean, all the other guys got to do is stay home and the, or maybe double as he's picking up his dribble. That's just my opinion. I, I, but what you said the first time is exactly why I wouldn't have went to D'Lo. Because with D'Lo, all the other guys can stay home. I trust D'Lo in a one-on-one situation inside of 20 feet. I saw Ant completely manipulate uh the Jazz defense. I agree. Completely. I'm not saying to the they point got a where, bad shot. They got a the, great shot. To the point, they got a great shot, and I, w- I would have settled for a less great. I, I actually wanted Ant to take that shot. I actually wanted him to attack and force referee to make a call. But so, so this is why. This is why I because he has that capability. This is why I say I would have went to D'Lo. When I think about MJ in that situation, he's going to the hard fadeaway, and he's probably hitting it. When I think of Kobe in that situation, he's going to the hard fadeaway, and he's probably hitting it. How dare you put Kobe and D'Lo in the same sentence? No, 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 no. Because we got to give credit where credit is due, and he's already shown it this season and last season and the previous season. He has shown that, especially when you only need a two. Now, when you need a three, I don't trust D'Lo's shot selection because it's way too predictable. But when you only needed two, he's gone and gotten a layup for a winning shot. He stopped and popped for a tying shot. Okay. He stepped it like okay. so. Right. So he's right. shown that if you only need two points, he in a one-on-one situation against the other team's second or third best defender delivers. All right, let's. But the fact they didn't go to him to me says we know this guy's the guy. And so we have to start that now. That is what I said. I feel like if D'Lo, if they were absolutely positively 100%, and I think his contract has more to do with any of this than his play. Mm -hmm. I feel like if they were absolutely 100%, D'Lo is going to be a part of the future of this team. I think Finch probably draws that up for D'Lo. Okay. You know, to me, that that was a clear indicator who the dude is. Yeah, And that could have been just – for that specific game, but but let's 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 close uh, with concerning trends and wish it would never end. Yes, sir. And uh, let's just get a couple from from each of us, and uh, and then uh, see how it plays out going forward. Mm-hmm. Concerning trends, coach, you want to go first? Uh, I only have two right now. Injuries is probably my biggest concerning trend. It seems like it's a revolving door of healthy guys. Torian went out last night. Right. As soon as somebody comes, soon as somebody comes back, somebody else goes out. Rudy's out probably for at least another couple games. You know, groin injuries are lingering. Um, you know, I said it a while back. You know, I said in the last pod, we said cat, I think cat's going to be out till mid March. It's starting to look more and more like at least until the beginning of March. Um, you know, Jordan McLaughlin, who knows? You know, so the injuries are a concerning trend. And in my other concerning trend, even though they've been a tiny bit better at times, it's still the rebounding. It's still the rebounding, you know. And because you look at their defensive rating and a lot of the drop in their defensive rating, the amount of points they give up is a direct result of how many extra possessions they give up. Okay, so for me, you know, we share that same uh, concerning trend, which is injuries and the seemingly, I, I won't call it random nature of it because they seem to be like clockwork. Mm-hmm. No, I must uh, count on it. But I, I, uh, I'm going to go conversely on that when we go hope it never ends because I think there have been some things that have been born out of that that are positive. But the injuries are a concern. Um, and then frankly, just I think, I don't know if this team plays good with house money or you know with found money or 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 if they play good when they're when they're expected to be good i think they're mentally i still think they're too a little too up and down for me immature they're immature <laughs> there's a collective immatureness that uh at times curtails their 
their growth potential. And we didn't talk about on this pod what we talked about off air in terms of like we're still counting on really young guys, not just young in life age, but also young in their um, on-court NBA um, experience, you know. So like we talked about Nas and Jalen Noel are, you know, a little older than Ann Jaden, but really they're only two and a half years into being, you know, counted on rotational guys, if that. So, and then of course, Aunt Jaden being 21 and 22. So, you know, some of that immaturity is the fact that they are still basketball immature. Yeah. Word to the wise, it might be wise to consider that this team is still has a bright future yes. <laughs> with, yes. with a 22, 21 year old, um, both of which are uh, striking talents mm-hmm. to say the least. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's get to, uh, Hope it never ends. Yes, sir. What do you got, Coach? Uh, starting at the top of the list is the ascension of Anthony Edwards. Okay. Yeah. Stop stealing my stuff, but I guess, that was, <laughs> I guess that was an obvious We didn't one. talk about this ahead of time, right? <laughs> um, and, and so that's number one at the top of the list, and followed by that is the um, fourth quarter presence of Kyle Anderson. Um, that's, that's the other no, thing that I hope never ends. And then just – the the winning trend that they've been on really since the start of the year, minus a couple clunkers. Um, you know, we talked about the last forty games and they're trending up so far in the early portion of those last forty games that we talked about. Yeah, you did mention the last forty being crucial and they it's it's definitely gonna play out that way in the West. It is mm-hmm. silly. Oh yeah, West. one more. All I right. hope the West continues shatting the bed. <laughs> well, that's a hope it, it never it has, ends. It, well, frankly, it, it has been essential to the Wolves staying in the fight, staying in the race, because they're sitting at six or and six or seven right now, which yeah. is almost hard to fathom considering some of the debacles that we've had to watch uh, this season. But but what I what hope will never end is Anthony Edwards continuing to realize that there's still growth mm-hmm. and he seems to be ascending in that fashion um i love the fact that he sits between two veterans who i imagine are constantly in each ear of his mm-hmm. and and um so i i think it's and now that this is recency bias a little bit but i think that he has been playing a lot better i think without him <laughs> over this stretch it would have been disastrous it would have been disastrous because he's been the fulcrum yeah. um and so i think uh his growth has been Really impressive, and I hope it never ends. I hope he always is ascending in that fashion. The other other thing slash person is slow mo, mm-hmm. and Finch's comments about him are are um, telling because to have a calming factor when so many dudes run hot, mm-hmm. to have a dude who always seems to be in control, and I'll go back to this phrase because I heard Teddy Bridgewater use it once, and I love it: servant leader. And he is focused on getting the best shot, the easiest opportunity, making sure that the best dudes touch the rock. Uh, D'Lo gets wide open, unchallenged jump shots because this guy's moving the ball around and it's realizing the value of having a guy. I hope that dude stays on the scene for the next five years. His game, it, you know, his game has legs, right? And he's still fairly young. Yeah. You know, he's he's not an old dude. He's in his twenties, and, and and he plays like he's got he's, an old soul it's game. It's not like he's living above the rim, right? Right. Yeah. He he should be fairly durable, and you know, last night's a perfect case of what you say because offensively, shooting wise, he couldn't throw the ball in the ocean last night. It was a horrible scoring night. I don't think he scored a point. Nope, but not yet, one. but yet he was on the floor almost and was all the fourth quarter to, to the win. Right, he understands how to impact winning when his shots not falling. You know, and this is coming off the heels of you know three games where he dang near averaged a triple double for three games. So you know, understanding how to impact winning on a night where it just your your rhythm is just completely off is such a valuable thing for this young team. This has been a fun pod. Um, I can talk about Anthony Edwards all day, and frankly, uh, it's it's my uh, slow mo crush is growing <laughs> by the minute. Um, but we sh- we're going to wrap right here and uh, say thank you very much for listening to the coach and the crooner. We want to say a special thanks to Black Table Arts for housing us, and a very special thanks to Super Producer Lloyd Leon on the behalf of the coach. I'm the crooner, coach. Man, next five games are going to be crucial: Rockets, Pels, Grizz. 
Kings, Kings, uh, they got to win. I'm hoping four out of five, but if they win three out of five, that puts them, you know, over 500 going into the next stretch. Well, this is going to be interesting. We're going to learn a lot and uh, we'll catch you on our next episode. So appreciate you. Check us out on your favorite streaming platforms. Platforms, Joe. (laughs) Peace. Later. Thank you for listening to the Coach and the Crooner podcast. If you have any suggestions or interest in promoting or sponsoring the podcast, please contact us via our inbox on Twitter at Coach Crooner on Twitter. It's the Coach and the Crooner. Yeah, it's the Coach and the Crooner.